Praise the Lord. Okay, well, we'll look uh, this morning at another. <clears throat> Sometimes we think they're myths, but they're not. I mean, uh, oh, I'm going to jump ahead. Before I do that, let me, let's look at there just a moment. So we, I want to get the time frame here. Uh, Genesis, uh, the word Genesis means beginnings, so it's already a lie if it was not true. You know, it's, a, it's where we want to start the market. No, all through the scriptures, the Lord created, the Lord created, he did. What's so funny is you look at the alternative when you go look at it and you go, well, I mean, where'd they get the, I mean, there's no way. It's, 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 here's how it works for the evolutionists. You got to have billions and billions of years because it makes them feel better to say, you know, it had to happen once. Well, there's laws of thermodynamics, which means you can't create something out of nothing. You ever heard of a guy named Einstein? He's the one, the relativity and all these kind of, they're the ones that come up with all that. And it's just basic laws. You can't have something produced out of nothing. Wow. But anyway, back to, so the book of beginnings here, Genesis here, just starting out with Adam. And then it comes all the way down there. It's a wonderful timeline. So here you got these timelines. This book ends. This one picks right up. I mean, right when they're, they're, at, they're in Egypt right here at the very end. Joseph is down there, second to Pharaoh. In other words, taking care of, of you and I. Praise the Lord. The people of the Lord. Anyway, Exodus. A mass exodus. We just got finished with a hurricane. We heard that word. That was a mass exodus. You know, Hurricane Harvey. They're getting out of the way. Whatever. Irma, whatever it was. Okay. So we know what that means. Now, at the, in the book of Exodus, right in the middle of it, after they got out, remember, nobody knew who God was. Moses had to even be taught who God was. They just didn't know. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were way back in this time frame, 400 years ago. Now you've got... A multitude of people, almost 3 million to 6 million, and they're on their way to the promised land. And as we discovered last week, they got there and they go, ah, we can't be there. Majority rules. And you can understand if all of Atlanta was led out of slavery, how they could easily be swayed when they got there with 10 versus 2 spies that says, let's go get the land. We can take it. And the other 10 said, oh, wait a minute, there's giants out there. So CNN and whatever news and the fake news convinced everybody, we can't go in there. Boy, but boy, that was a mistake. Because all they had to do was remember, I remember when we went through the Red Sea. Boy. And the Lord said that was going to be the final thing against Egypt that he did. He said, I'm going to show my power one more time. And so everybody got to walk through there on dry land. And then they turned and watched. And here comes the chariots of Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, they destroyed them all. Wow. Do you know Solomon? Of course, it's fables and lies. No, it's not. King Solomon, when he was king, he went down there and built a marker where they crossed. What for? It was a lie. No, it wasn't a lie. Too many details. All right, anyway. So the book of Levi is just instructions on how they're still at Mount Sinai. They're still where Moses went up into the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, you know. All right. Anyway, Numbers is where we were last week. They were moving to the Promised Land. Then, of course, they realized... They thought God wasn't going to take care of them. They actually said God's going to kill us when we get in the promised land. Ah, now you know why God was so hacked off. He said, I'm just going to start over. But of course, Moses said, let's don't do that. Although Moses, a few weeks prior to that, was like, why don't you make me? I'm not their father. (laughs) He said, if we caught all the fish in the world, we wouldn't have enough food for all these people. And the Lord said, when did my arm get so short that I can't, you know, I can't help. Boy, and they had all the food they wanted that night. Okay. 
All right, Deuteronomy is just a speech. They got to the promised land after 40 years, and Moses, he's fixing to die. He says, let me recap just a moment. And he tells the whole story again. It goes by so quick. This whole stuff goes by real quick. Oh, I like to listen to Genesis. Oh, I have my own voice record. You can actually, on the website, you can actually go get it yourself. But, uh, oh, I can actually read half of the book of Genesis. Just listen to it. Now, you've got to pay attention, but it's, I always stop it when I know I wasn't even listening. Because I like to follow the story, just like a child hearing a story. You know, the Billy Goat's Gruff, you know, whatever. You, know, you want to catch the story. Okay, but anyway, uh, I can read that in less than about, about an hour and 30 minutes. I've heard over half of the book of Genesis and know what's going on. It's just a piece of cake. Okay, but anyway, so here we go. So now they're at the promised land, they're fixing the cross, and then they get in there with Joshua. And then if you'll notice the book of Judges, when you start reading Judges, oh, I don't know what the book of Judges is about. That's the reason you need to know the timeline. They're in the promised land, they wiped it out, just like God said. But then they started worshiping idols. And right at the start of Judges, it was poof, it just fell all apart. And God said that's what's going to happen. Moses even said, after I die, you guys are going to worship idols. That's how bad it was. They were going to turn their back on the Lord. Now, it wasn't because they made a mistake. We all make mistakes. And we have forgiveness. All right. But I'm going to jump way ahead, about 500 years, and we're going to go to 1 Samuel. They are still running for cover. Israel's lost their way. They have no idea what's going on with the Lord. Some people, whoops, it's the book of Psalms. Some people do, and we'll see one that does here. 1 Samuel, and I want to go to, oh, let's start here in chapter 16, just a moment. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Oh, one second here. Okay. All right. First Samuel chapter First Samuel chapter sixteen. This is all historic. It's story, 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 story. They don't go. Let's have a story about it. It's a total timeline. Anyway, Samuel is just a prophet. There's always been a prophet. You know, Isaiah was a prophet, and the Lord said, "Why?" Moses told him. He says, "Okay, you guys didn't want to." Don't want to climb up on the mountain, you know. You want somebody like me to be here. And the Lord said, I'll always have somebody. Well, here was this guy named Samuel. <clears throat> you know, the story. The, this book itself starts out with his story. His mama couldn't have any kids. Do you know what the word Samuel means? Anybody remember? It's the word Sam. What does it mean? It's in that first chapter of the story. It means asked of God. This girl, Hannah was her name. We've heard the name Hannah. Um, we've heard of Sam. That's the reason we should remember that. Oh, Sam means asked of God. And I know it takes a little practice, but I'm just saying that's what it meant. Hannah was at the door of the tabernacle, and Eli was the high priest, and he saw her there, and she was real sorrowful, maybe like something you're dealing with today. Just, how am I going to deal with this? And he thought she was drunk, and he said, hey, listen, drink somewhere else. Don't drink right here. You know, if you're going to be drunk, go somewhere else. Okay. And she said, I'm not drunk. She says, I'm sorrowful. And you know what, Eli, the high priest, the high priest. You know how we think high priest. When he found out she was sorrowful, you know, he didn't say, well, what's the problem? He didn't ask that, you know. He just flat out told her, he says, the Lord, well, actually he did. He heard her. She said, I don't have a child. I'm barren. I'm one of these women that can't have kids, and I'm asking the Lord for a child. And you know what, Eli said, oh, the Lord grant you your petition. Oh, well, hold on, Eli. Whoa, don't be giving away the candy store here. God, you might hurt her feelings. She might have a medical condition, you know, after all. Shut all that stuff up. No kidding, there's a medical difficulty. 
that's how we divorce ourselves from the Bible so fast. Well, I have the that's a such and such and such and such, and there's no cure. <sighs> what do we need Jesus for? Do you realize there's no way we, any of us can go to heaven? That's, that's impossible. But Jesus made a way. I am the way and the truth and the life. And we're not perfect. How am I going to get there? God looks at you as though you're perfect through the blood of Jesus. That's the stories you get out of reading the New Testament. You're like, amazing. But in the Old Testament, he treats you the same way. Okay. But anyway, so she has a child. And there he is. And she said, I'll give him to the Lord. And that's what she did when he was four or five years old. She gave him to the church or whatever. And he worked there with Eli. Okay. Now he's an older fellow now. Finally, the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough over Saul. Who's Saul? He was the first king. Now they were just trying to get organized because the Philistines were running everything. They're in the promised land, but they are totally defeated. Saul sort of half-heartedly did what the Lord wanted him to do. And so notice what he said. I've rejected him, I rejected him as the king of Israel. Now take a vial of olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Well, I never heard of Bethlehem. Oh, please. Yes, you have a whole little town of Bethlehem. Yeah, we have. Take a, take a vial of olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse. For I've selected one of his sons to be the new king. Wow. But Samuel asked, uh, how can I do that? For if Saul hears about it, he will kill me. So Samuel, the prophet, he's a spiritual man. He's a man of the cloth. Yeah, just like me. And I got troubles too. You know, I'm, sometimes I get worried somebody's going to kill me. You know, I'm thinking somebody's, something might go wrong. Might have a car wreck. You know, I'm driving down. How is it that we in this world can drive? And how come nobody ever swerves in front of you and you have a head on? I mean, you can just worry about these things. And so Saul tells the Lord, I mean, excuse me, Samuel says, he's going to kill me. Well, wait a minute, watch this. See what happens. The Lord says, take a heifer. The Lord replies, that means a cow. Moo, we got it. And say that you've come to make sacrifice to the Lord. Then call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you which sons to anoint. So in other words, Saul already had military people set up. They had some structure going on here, and they knew who Samuel was. Saul certainly knew who Samuel was. And Saul also knew he wasn't doing what the Lord wanted him to do. So Samuel did as the Lord told him. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the city, look at that, they came trembling to meet him. What are you doing here? Because they thought, because see, Saul was, I mean, you just, you got to stamp out rebellion. They just kill everybody. Well, so that's what was going on. So these elders are like, uh-oh, what are you doing here? He said, all is well. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he performed the purification rite on Jesse and his sons. What's the purification rite? Well, if you've been reading Ma whatever uh, Genesis, Exodus, actually you'd have seen it in Leviticus. Anyway, the stuff that Moses had said we had to do, he didn't invent it. The Lord told him. It's really simple. It was simple. That's re you know the Lord said get a heifer. There was a story in Gen and in Numbers. We would have got there after they didn't get in the promised land. About nineteenth chapter, the Lord says, "Let me tell you a story about the red heifer." I want a red heifer to be killed. I want the water and the blood to be poured in it. And that's the reason the New Testament says through the washing of the water of the word. Okay. You're outside of town and this red heifer's blood's in there. A priest was there and he watched one of the Israelites kill that heifer. And the priest just watched him do it. And then they put this water in. They put the blood in this water. And right there before you went into town, you came by that blood right there that red heifer was. And it was important. It wasn't just some sort of myth and legend or whatever. It was important. That red heifer represented the death of you. You didn't have to die. The heifer did. That's what's so beautiful about the whole thing. God doesn't require that we throw ourselves and our kids to the fire like the Canaanites were doing in the Holy Land. 
That's how they felt. They were human sacrifice. The Indians in this nation did it. The South Americans did it. All these nations were doing this stuff. God never required any of us to sacrifice ourselves. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Remember the story of Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4. Abel brought his sacrifice. He brought a lamb. Wow. Okay, anyway. So the Lord said, hey, don't, uh, oh, excuse me. So, uh, and he performed the purification rite on Jesse and his sons and invited them too. Uh, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. Now, he, this guy's got several sons. And Samuel said, man, that's going to be the new king right there. But the Lord said to Samuel, now here's the famous verse. Uh, well, he said, surely this is the man's, the Lord has chosen. Samuel said to the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by a man's face. Oh, the King James Bible says, don't look on the outward appearance. Okay, so this is where it comes from. I don't make decisions the way you do. Men judge by the outward appearance, but I look on a man's thoughts and intentions. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But the Lord says, nope, he's not the right guy. Well, if you've heard this story, all of these sons are like, well, which one? Behind door number two? Door no- None of these were it. Well, you know who he's after. He's after David. Anybody know where David's at? He's back in the backside of the farm. <laughs> All right, watch it. Here's the story. So Jesse said, uh, Abinadab, step forward. He's not the right guy either. Anyway, uh, Jesse summoned Shammah. But the Lord said, nope, not the one. In the same way, all of his seven sons presented themselves to Samuel and were rejected. The Lord said, uh, the Lord has not chosen any of them, Samuel told Jesse. Are, there, are these all there are? Here we go. Now remember, this is Solomon's dad. This is King David we're talking about. He ain't no king right now. And look at his age. Well, there is the youngest, Jesse said, but he's out in the field watching the sheep. Sin for him. Can you imagine going from sheep to a king? Where did he go to school at? See, we, we have it all backwards. We just don't think there is a God. We just don't think there's anything real to the Lord. But it is. I know we do. I'm just saying that. Get the picture here. Okay. So Jesse sent for him. He was a fine-looking, here we go, ruddy-faced, what's that, with pleasant eyes. <laughs> like Ryder, probably, my grandson. Can you imagine that? Probably a little older. Enough to be able to take care of some sheep, but how old you got to be to tell a sheep, you ain't going over there, I'm going to bop you on the head, you know. So you get to work pretty fast. The Lord says, this is the one. Anoint him. Oh, to be king? Wow. And I notice his other brothers had to be there watching. All right. So anyway, David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took olive oil and brought it and poured it on David's head. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he had great power from that day onward. All right. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And instead, the Lord sent a tormenting spirit to fill him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's age suggested a cure. We'll find a good harpist. Hey. To play for you whenever you're tormented. Whenever the tormenting spirit is bothering you. They said, the heart music will quiet you and you'll soon be well. Well, all right, Saul said. Bring him on. Well, that's going to be David. One of them said they knew a young fellow from where? Here he is, Bethlehem, son of a man named Jesse, who was not only a talented harp player, but handsome, brave, strong, and had good, solid judgment. What's more, he added, the Lord's with him. Now, do you and I have the Lord today? Yeah. The angel said you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means the Lord is with you. So for us to say the Lord's not with us is ridiculous. It is. Anyway, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse asking that he send his son David, the shepherd. 
Jesse responded by sending not only David, but a young goat and a donkey carrying full, uh, look at that, carrying a lot of food. And oh my gosh, we don't need that. Well, here it is. You just did. Okay. We don't choke on that. Praise the Lord. We drink it. Good. All right. From the instant he saw David, Saul admired him and loved him, and David became his bodyguard. Now that's favor right there. You know, you've got favor. I don't care if you've got difficulties, whatever. Favor. So Saul wrote to Jesse, please let David join my staff, for I'm very fond of him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, uh, David would play the harp and Saul would feel better and the evil spirit would go away. Wow. Okay. All right. Notice what chapter that is. That's 16. Boom. There's no markers in here. This is all one floor, all one story. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camp between Sukkah and, Germ- and Judah and Ezekiah, whatever. These are just real places. Decatur and Huntsville. Saul countered with a buildup of forces uh, at Eli Valley. So the Philistines and the Israeli faced each other on opposite hills with a valley between them. We're over here. They're over here. A valley between them. All right. Then Goliath, a Philistine, champion of Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man. Now, let me help you here just a moment. Notice what we said here. The Philistines mustered their army. And they camped between this place and that place. Saul countered, made sense. Patton, we figured, well, we're going to counter that move. Okay. They put their troops over there. <laughs> no way, Jack. Look at this. I'm going to show you how you get slowed down here. Look at the King James Version. You know, we got some people that think that everything I taught so far is wrong because I didn't use this. Let's see if we can follow it. I'll try to help. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at, okay, that place, which belongs to Judah, and pitched... Pitched? No, it had tar and they no, that's not it either. They pitched between what's a baseball game? Well, let's keep reading. I want to keep reading my Bible because I mean I gotta impress the Lord here. And Saul and his men of Israel were gathered together and they pitched. What's pitched? You're already stumped. Okay. And they what? They set the battle in array. Well, that's radars. You know, no. <laughs> Against the Philistines. I don't know. The Bible's too difficult for me. It's not too difficult for anybody. The Bible has got to be in your language. Well, we were, oh, they're going to change it. No. Remember, Jesus spoke. He could speak Hebrew, but he also could speak uh, Greek. In his time, it was Greek. Anyway, and Saul and the men were Israel gathered. They pitched in the valley of this, and they put the battle in array against this. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side. The Israel, Israel stood on the mountain on the other. Well, we'd follow that. But then watch this. All right. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion. Well, I hope everybody's got champions. We've got a doggone war going on here. But no, what, what, were, they, what were they coming out? This guy is huge. There came out a champion of the Philistines, the camp of Philistines, named Goliath. Of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Now, we're, we're totally lost now. Six cubits in a span, you know? Unless you're a horse guy, you wouldn't know what a span was. How, how big a horse is that? Well, he's eight hands. That's a short horse. He's 16-hand horse. Unless you're a horse person, you wouldn't know what that was. He had a helmet of brass and armed with coat of mail. The weight was 5,000 shekels. Okay, and look at that. He had greaves of brass. What? Greaves of bat, grass upon a, 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 a brass on his legs, target of brass. Oh, oh, mercy. Let's go back. Here we go. So let's go back to this. So we, we know what's going on. Saul countered with a buildup of himself. All right. 
Then Goliath, a Philistine champion of Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man. Measuring over, that's some basketball player, nine feet. Good grief. He wore a bronze helmet, a 200-pound coat of mail. 200 pounds, his jacket. Bronze leggings and carried a bronze javelin several inches thick, tipped with a 25-pound... That can't go very far. <laughs> if you threw it... Well, he could sling it. 25 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him with a huge shield. He stood and shouted across to the Israelis, Do you need a whole army to settle this? I'll, present, I'll represent the Philistines. You choose someone to represent you, and we'll settle this in a single battle. If your man's able to kill me, we'll be your slaves. If I kill him, then you'll be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight with me. Well, first off, this was a lie on both sides because you know what's going to happen. David's going to kill this guy. And you notice the rest of them go, oh, yes, we surrendered. No, they took off running. Anyway, so here's what happened. When Saul and the Israelis heard this, they were dismayed and they were frightened. Now David, the son of aging Jesse, the member of the tribe of Judah who lived in Bethlehem, had seven brothers. The three oldest, here they are, Ed, Ab, and Shamu, whatever, okay. They had volunteered for Saul's army to fight the Philistine. David was the youngest and was on Saul's staff part-time. That's right, we got that. And we also know he, was, uh, he helped his dad with the sheep. Okay, for 40 days, twice a day, this clown came out there. Let's get this on, Okay. One day, Jesse said to David, okay, his dad told David, apparently he had went home for a little bit. He said, take this bushel of roasted grain and ten loaves of bread to your brothers. Hey, cool. Oh, give this cheese to their captain. See how the boys are getting along. Bring us back a letter from them. Okay. Saul and the Israelis were camped at the valley of Elah. So we got that. We know what was going on. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and took off early in the morning with the gifts. He arrived on the outskirts of the town. Now, watch the details. As I read on, watch the details. <sighs> now remember, every <laughs> David's the one that wrote, The Lord's my shepherd. Oh, can't have that. That belongs to David. David wrote about a third of all the Psalms. Well, then just throw them all away because they don't belong to you. Every one of them belong to you. This story belongs to you. Watch this. So anyway, David left the sheep. Okay, he arrived on the outskirts of camp. As the Israelis were leaving for the battlefield with shouts and cries and shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelis and the Philistines were facing each other, army against army. David left his rug, luggage and the baggage with a baggage officer and hurried out to the ranks to find his brother. I mean, David was excited. As he was talking with them, whoa, buddy, here comes the nine foot guy. He saw Goliath, the giant, step out from the Philistine troops and shout the challenge. Well, we know what the challenge was. As soon as they saw him, the Israeli army began to, they ran away in fright. Now, do you know, now you already know what's going to happen here. David's not going to run away. Now, watch what David's after here. Have you seen the giant? The soldiers were asking. He's insulted the entire army of Israel. Have you heard about the huge reward? The king has offered to anyone who kills him. Well, I never win anything. You know, nothing good ever happens to me. Well, how are you going to insert yourself in that here? Can't. The king will give him one of his daughters for a wife. That'd be good. Yeah. And his whole family will be exempted from paying taxes. Wow. 
David talked to some of the others standing there to what? Verify the giant? No, he could see the giant. He heard it. He wanted to verify what's going to happen if I knock this guy out. Now remember, David is, well, we're going to see in a minute, he's still a little guy. David talked to some others standing there to verify the point. What will a man get for killing this Philistine? And ending his insults to Israel. Now David must have known some stuff about how great God was. All you got to do is think about creation. Think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All the stuff happened to them. Think about Egypt. Think about Moses. Oh my gosh. All right, here we go. He asked them, who is this heathen Philistine? That's what David said. Anyway, who's this clown? What's your problem today? See how all this relates? That he's allowed to define. Now notice what David said. Because remember Moses already said when, he, when they had all the uh, uh, census taken for all those who were ready to go to war, they were called God's army. Wow. You got to fight God's, God's wars. Well, he received the uh, same reply. In other words, you're going to get your taxes exempt. You're going to get your first, you know, you have your wife there. Woo. Anyway, David's oldest brother. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Old Ed heard him talking, talk, heard David talking. like Boy, he got angry. That's because he wasn't acting right. He was part of that scaredy cat group. What are you doing around here? What about those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Boy, look, he's hateful, isn't he? Well, that's how brothers and sisters can be, you know. You know, we know how that is. I know. Look at this. I know what a cocky brat you are. You just want to see the battle. Well, David would have been going, well, there ain't no going to be no battle today. <laughs> Y'all are running away. Okay. And David said, what have I done? I was only asking a question. Now, remember what his question was. Anyway, and he walked over to his mothers and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Now, what was his question? I'm lost. I, no, you're not lost. If I knock that giant out, what's going to happen? Well, taxes going to be exempt for your parents, your family forever, and you're going to get the king's daughter. <laughs> I hear you right. Try this here. You know, that's what he's doing. When it was finally realized what David meant, someone told King Saul, and the king sent for him. Well, I guess so. He was the only one that wasn't being a scaredy cat. Look what David said. Let me translate this into American contemporary Christianity. I hope I can do this, but you never know. God may have a different plan. I'm just young, and I know honor your father and mother. You'll, you'll be well with you and you'll live long, but sometimes God wants my life to be cut short. What? Baloney! Mm -mm. David said, don't worry about a thing. And you know, David's the one that wrote that Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord. Now listen, David wasn't speaking from inexperience here because he had to cast his burdens on the Lord too because he's fixing to tell you, I was out there minding my own business, <laughs> being a shepherd, and a lion came up and stole one of my favorite ones. I named that sheep Susie, and Susie's being taken off by this lion. And you know what happened? David went there and beat the crap out of that lion. And it wasn't just that. There was a bear at the same time. Okay, don't worry about this. David said, I'll take care of this Philistine. <laughs> Gosh. You know, 400 years prior to this, somebody else did this. His name was Samson. He ripped up a lion, just like it was a toy. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. How can, look at this, a kid like you, 
fight with a man like him. Now, remember, David didn't go out there and go, well, I'm just a little boy. The Lord's going to do this. But no, David had a sling, buddy. He had five stones. He was ready. Man, I'd have taken my Crossman 770 BB gun. I said, I won't put your eye out. I know exactly where to plant this BB. And I got, I'm going to get you somehow, you know. I won't pump it 85 times, but I'm, I'm going to get you, you know. Remember, David slung that thing, and that, where'd that rock go? Right into his forehead. It said it sunk. That rock, it went inside his skull. And the Bible says that, you know, we'll read it. What put him out? Don't be ridiculous. How can a kid like you fight a man like you? are only a boy. And he's been in the army since he was a boy. David persisted when I was taking care of my father's sheep. Uh, he said, and a lion or a bear comes and grabs a lamb from the flock. I tell you what, I just, <laughs> I just let him have it. You know, I just, yeah, you go ahead, help yourself. We're going to move. Wow. Notice what he did. He said, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from his mouth. Man, have you ever dealt with a, somebody's dog and they got, you know, and, you, and they say, don't, don't, don't get that from that dog. Just let him have it. Whatever. Yikes. He said, if it turns on me, wow. Notice he didn't say, now this happened one time, I know, and I'm hoping it'll, no. He's saying anytime, anytime, anytime. Wow. He said, I catch it by the, claw, the jaw and I claw it to death. So much for the animal lovers there. Anyway, I have done this to both. Look at that. Lions, plural, isn't it? And bears. I'll do this to this heathen. I'll do this to this heathen Philistine. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. We're more than conquerors, aren't we? Okay. For he's defied the armies of the living God. Or in other words, he's come after you. Ought not this woman be healed, being a daughter of Abraham, Jesus said one day, when she was bowed over, said, Ought not she should she be healed? She ought to be healed. You ought to be blessed too, taken care of, because you belong to the Lord. Anyway, Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. Now, you know, Saul gave David his own armor. Now, remember, Saul was about seven foot. He was pretty good size. He gave him a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on. Look at this. Strapped the sword over it. Took a, took a step or two to see what it was like. He never worn such things. I can hardly move. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Saul was like, okay, get out of that stuff. Yeah. He took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream. Notice David didn't say, well, you know, I'm only going to have time for one because I'm going to get killed. No, David thought, if I miss on the first shot, I'm going to get him on the second. I'm going to get him on the third. Or if I hit him on the first one, I'm going to drive it in with the second. Anyway, he started to cross to Goliath. Oh, my goodness. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this nice, little, he's little, red-cheeked boy. What's this guy got that you don't? Well, I know what it is. The Lord wants me to be about a 9 or 10-year-old person. No, he doesn't. It's got nothing to do with your age. That's the reason that part's in there. This giant said, am I a dog? He roared at David. You come to me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Now, I want you to compare what David said and what he said. This guy said, I curse you, David, by my gods, the God of whoever. Come over here and I'll give your flesh. Notice this, your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Now watch David in comparison. I'll go ahead and tell you. David said, I'm not only going to kill you, but I'm going to kill everybody in your whole army. You're just a minor detail. <laughs> I'm going to kill everybody in your army. And when you read the story, that's what happened. You come to me with a sword and a spear. In other words, your problems you're facing today, I don't care what they are. 
But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven and of Israel, the very God whom you defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. David, shh, you never know what God's going to do. That's where the church has been so messed up. We do know what he'll do. Caleb and Joshua last week, they said, we, we can take the promised land. Oh, no, we can't. Cost them 40 years. Anyway, today the Lord will conquer you and I'll kill you and cut your head off and then I'll give the dead bodies of your men. Isn't that something? He's not, I'm not going to just kill you. And notice he said, I'm going to take your head off. And that's exactly what he did. And the whole, look at this. <laughs> and the whole earth. See, we, we, we think today that God doesn't do any miracles anymore. It's, it's so stupid. And that's because we're not reading the Bible. God said, the miracles I did in Egypt, I will do for you in the promised land. I didn't hear that in Sunday school class. I found it out myself. I thought, well, no wonder they got themselves in trouble. Anyway, the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And Israel will learn that the Lord does not depend on weapons to fulfill His plans. He works, out, he works without regard to human means. He will give you to us. In other words, if our weapons are not big enough, it doesn't matter. we got bigger ones. <laughs> well, Goliath approached. David ran to meet him. Wow. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, he took out a stone, hurled it from his sling, and hit the Philistine in the forehead. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you're going to hit him. You're going to knock a home run on the first strike, too. The stone sank. Yuck. And the man fell on his face to the ground. So David conquered the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Since he had no sword, he ran over, pulled Goliath from his sheath, and killed him with it and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they ran, and the Israelis, this end of that, then the Israelis gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath to the gates of Ekron, the bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road all the way to Sherem. Then the Israeli army returned and plundered the desert uh, Philistine camp. Now remember we're talking about David. This is David, okay? This is a base story for David. Now, we believe there was such a guy named King David, right? Well, we've lost it here if this is a lie. Because we, King David, we should be laughing because this never happened. Oh, no, it did happen. Later, David took Goliath's head to Jerusalem. Now, what did he do that for? He had his receipt here. <laughs> Here's my receipt. I need that daughter that you promised, and I want my taxes paid for for my daddy. I'm doing two things here. He took his head to Jerusalem but stored his armor in his tent. As Saul was watching David go out to fight Goliath, he asked Abner, that was his uncle, said, who is this guy? What sort of family does he come from? I really don't know, Abner said. We'll find out, the king said. And after David killed Goliath, Abner brought him to, uh, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistines. Look at that. He's still dragging that nasty head in his hand. <laughs> and you know, that thing had to be big. It's I got him, boss. <laughs> Tell me who your father is, my boy. Saul said, I mean, David said, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. Praise the Lord. Oh, we're done here. Man, I tell you, I, this guy right here was the one that wrote, like I say, you go read the book of something, right? Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3, Psalm 18, whatever. And actually, this story here, basically all hell is going to break loose from here forward concerning David, because Saul's going to try to kill him. David's going to play this harp in the next chapter. The very next chapter, about 10 verses, he's playing the harp because Saul's not feeling good. And all of a sudden, he doesn't pin him to the wall. He gets away. He tries it several times. David never does get hurt. And, he's, and at and David's old age, you can read this for yourself in, in uh, 1 Kings, the, the 1 Kings chapter 1. Another problem. 
Do the problems ever cease? No, they won't stop, but you'll win them all. David's fixing to die. They're trying to not let Solomon be king, but he does become king. And David makes this statement. He says, he says this. He said, I swear by the God who delivered me out of all my problems that Solomon will be king before I die. But notice how he prefaced it. The God who got me out of every problem. Praise the Lord. And we get to watch him get out of trouble. We watched him here today. Father, we thank you for your word today. No matter what we're facing, you'll get us out of trouble. If we're not feeling good, you'll take care of that. If we're having trouble financially, you'll take care of that. And if it's some sort of problem like, oh my goodness, who ever heard of a story about a giant? Whatever problem might be out there, you'll take care of that for us. Just like David did. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to leave stories and details about how the Lord took care of us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> amen, amen. Yeah.